Hello, hi, and welcome to this bonus episode of Medium Lady Talks, which is episode three of the Medium Lady Reads podcast. This is a new podcast that I have recently launched with my co-host, Jillian O'Keefe. Medium Lady Reads is for all of those bookish people out there or people who just want to be reading more in their lives. And the reason I'm coming on and doing a little tiny shout out right before you get the episode is I want you to know that this will be the last bonus episode of Medium Lady Reads on this feed. So if you're subscribed to Medium Lady Talks, and thank you so much for being subscribed and following along, that means the world to me. If you are subscribed to Medium Lady Talks, but not subscribed to Medium Lady Reads, this will be the last episode that you get in your feed. And I would hate for you to miss out on all of the conversations that Jillian and I are going to have about reading as self-care, our passionate love of the public library, and and all of the good, fun, hot takes that we're giving uh, about book culture and its kind of moment in Instagram and TikTok, all of that pop culture conversation when it comes to reading and books. So I hope you love this episode. It's episode three. It is the last three books we read. It is basically reviews and recommendations. This is our standard episode when it comes to talking about books and making sure that you as the audience are getting really good recommendations from both of us. But I am strongly encouraging you to just take that medium effort of hopping on over to Medium Lady Reads, which has its own feed, and I will link that in the show notes. When you're there, go ahead and hit follow. Jillian and I really appreciate it. Don't miss out. Episode four will be our next episode, and you will not get that in the Medium Lady Talks feed, and you will have to be following along Medium Lady Reads in order to make sure those are immediately downloaded for your enjoyment. So enjoy this episode, episode three in your Medium Lady Talks feed, and after you finish the episode, go ahead and follow, subscribe to the Medium Lady Reads podcast. Thank you so much. You're doing a really great job and I appreciate your time and attention. I hope you love this episode as much as Jillian and I loved making it. Here's Medium Lady Reads episode three. It's a really good one. I, I think personally, it's I think it's one of her best. I think I agree. It's been a while since I read some of them, but it is definitely my favorite over, I think it was Book Lovers was her last one before this. So it's definitely up there. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Reads, a podcast about reading as self-care, a passionate love for the public library, and plenty of thoughts and opinions about book culture having its moment. I'm Erin, a mom of three, a hospital administrator in Ontario, Canada, host and founder of the Medium Lady Community and Medium Lady Talks podcast. And I'm Jillian, an Instagram content strategist for bookish people, a mom to two, and we're based in Buffalo, New York. And together we're bringing you Medium Lady Reads. And welcome to episode three of Medium Lady Reads. We are excited to dive into today's episode, but first we love to warm up and I'll ask you, Jillian, how's your reading going? It is going really well. I'm full sprint into the summer reading, enjoying all of the open, more open space I have with the kids home and we still have activities, but there's no rushing to get up and out the door. There's no making sure the kids are home from the bus and it's just a lot more free time to read. So it's going really, really well. I do love a good cozy read, but there's nothing, honestly, I think there's nothing better than summer reads. I really think those are my favorite. I'm totally with you. How's your reading going, Erin? You know what? My reading is in exactly the same place that yours is. Like I am in full summer reading mode. 
my favorite thing in the summer is to read in the sun. Yes. I love that like hot, bakey feeling while reading a book. And this year for Christmas, I got a Kobo, which I'm really excited about for digital reading because those beach reads are perfect with your lightweight e-reader when you don't have to carry the actual like hefty heaviness of the physical copy of a book around. And for the longest time, I was reading on an iPad. And as you know, an iPad Mm -hmm. can get hot. And when the iPad gets hot, it says, I need a little break. This iPad is too hot. (laughs) And I'm just excited because I know that that issue is less likely to happen with the Kobo. And so I am really going full hog on my digital holds list to get some really great reads. We're going to the cottage next week, and I am stoked. Last year, I think I read something like six or seven books in a four-day period last year and that's amazing it was beyond satisfying I'm not saying that as like a humble brag I'm saying that I filled my own cup reading as if I was like surviving on books alone and I'm just so hoping to duplicate that experience this year so that's how it's going I can't wait to hear how it goes I'm excited for you especially because up at the cabin there's no internet oh beautiful and, and actually, that goes to your comment, too, is like in the summer, we can fill all of our usual tasks with reading. Mm-hmm. You can fill your commute time to pick up the kids at school. You can fill your waiting time when your kids are activity doing activities. You can fill that time with reading. Same thing. I'm going to go up to the cabin. I'm not going to have any access to the Internet. I can fill all of my Internet scrolling and Instagram scrolling with book reading time. And it just like feels really good. But it's hard to duplicate outside of that summer, summer yeah, season. It absolutely is something about it. It's a beautiful thing. So today's episode is pretty self-explanatory. It's called My Last Three Books, and Jillian and I are going to review the last three books that we read. A little bit of backstory. So when I started Medium Lady Talks, the podcast, I was finding my voice and I wanted something that I could confidently talk about for the duration of a podcast episode, which is why episode one of Medium Lady Talks is all about books. I was super comfortable to dive in and do that I used to review all the books I had read each quarter. I did that for, I think, season one and part of season two of Medium Lady Talks. But eventually, as I was reading more and more, those episodes became sort of long and meandering. And truth be told, they were extremely time consuming to edit, but they were very soul filling to record. So I always have to remember to keep opportunities open for me to keep talking about books. And that was one of the many motivations to found Medium Lady Reads with Jillian today. In the last year or so, I've kind of figured out the sweet spot for a book episode personally is six books. And so with six books in mind, Jillian and I are going to review our last three books. These are the last three books we read at the time of drafting this episode. So Jillian, tell me about the sort of landscape of your last three books. Are there common themes? Is this a wild range? What are we up for? All right. So normally I would say I have a pretty wide palette when it comes to the books that I read. I'll read almost anything horror to historical fiction to personal development. I don't really limit myself because I just love books. But the last three books I read were pretty similar in the genre realm. Two were contemporary fiction and the third was a historical fiction and mystery, but all had to do with family and including the born into family and the chosen family. I actually have been feeling a strong pull for a mystery or a creepy thriller lately so I think I'll have to bump one of those up on my reading list and I have I have one in mind Mm. if you're listening and have any suggestions though please feel free to dm me on instagram at jillian finding happy and I'll be sure to check it out and even if I don't read it right now I'll eventually get to it 
And speaking of connecting, Aaron and I would absolutely love it if you found us over on Goodreads. It's where I keep pretty close tabs on my reading list, both the to be read and the completed list. Since Goodreads doesn't make it super easy to just give you a name so you can find us over there, we'll be sure to link those up in our show notes. Yes. And and I would recommend, like, you're, you're welcome to follow both of us. Jillian is really where it's at. Jillian has very good <laughs> Jillian has very good Goodreads hygiene. Me not so much. Like I'll go in and I'll I kind of batch my rankings and my tracking in Goodreads. But I'm there. I'm there. And uh and please, yeah, do go ahead and connect with us there. If if you're a Goodreads user and, and you want to see what we're up to over there. I am really excited to dive in today. Jillian, what was your first last book? My first last book was What I Saw and How I Lied by Judy Blundell. This was our buddy read pick for June, and I really enjoyed it. Really quickly, about six months ago, Erin mentioned that she wanted to try doing buddy reads, us two and then two of our other dear friends. So for the last several months, six to be exact, I believe July is our sixth month, we've been doing these buddy reads, and this was the book pick for June. Don't worry, we'll be discussing buddy reads in a future episode, so you'll understand how we manage it, and so you can put one into place for yourself, too. Anyways, this book choice was Aaron's for our buddy read, and it was really great. Here's the synopsis. When Evie's father returned home from World War II, the family fell back into its normal life pretty quickly. But Joe Spooner brought back more with him than just good war stories. When movie star handsome Peter Coleridge, a young ex-GI who served in Joe's company in post-war Austria, shows up, Evie is suddenly caught in a complicated web of lies that she only slowly recognizes. She finds herself falling for Peter, ignoring the secrets that surround him, until a tragedy occurs that shatters her family and breaks her life in two. I personally gave this a solid four stars on Goodreads. It was fast paced and it definitely pulled me in. And that's one of my favorite things about a book is when you're reading and it's so fast paced and you don't even realize that time is flying by. So it definitely was a four for me. It is a young adult novel, but the way that some of Evie's feelings develop for Peter seem very adult. Though I may just feel this way because of the age gap between her and Peter. It left me feeling a bit uncomfortable, if I'm being honest. They never go too far, and the book does take place after World War II, so things were different then, but it still hit me as just a little bit off. I know it's that makes it sound like I didn't enjoy the book, but I did. I really did. I like the twisty turniness of it. I love the mystery, and I love that by the end, you were really rooting for Evie. This is definitely worth it if you're looking for a fast-paced young adult novel. Yeah, that's a good one, and it's on the backlist, too. I think it was published... I want to say 2003. It's quite in the backlist. So you should be able to find a copy easily if you want to try this like yeah. twisty turny YA historical fiction. It was a good buddy read book. It was. It was fun to discuss with all of us too. All right, Erin, what's your first last book? Okay, my first last book is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I tend to be inconsistent with what I'm reading on Instagram, and I do want to get better at that, just telling people what I have up next so that I'm sort of actively in real time chronologically sharing what I'm reading. Jillian, you are always like so good at that. Everybody, when you go and follow Jillian, you're going to have... <laughs> a real time sense of what she's picking up next and when she's finished something and she's grabbing a new book. I did, however, share Hello Beautiful because the reading the end of it coincided with the trip to Montreal. And so I found myself on social media kind of chronologically documenting that trip. Here's the premise. William Walters grew up in a house silenced by tragedy where his parents could hardly bear to look at him, much less love him. So it's a relief when his skill on the basketball court earns him a scholarship to a college far away from his childhood home. 
he soon meets Julia Padovano, a spirited, ambitious young woman who surprises William with her appreciation of his quiet steadiness. With Julia comes her family. She's inseparable from her three younger sisters. Sylvie the Dreamer is happiest with her nose in a book and imagines a future different from the expected path of wife and mother. Cecilia, the family artist, and Emmeline, who patiently takes care of them all. Happily, the Padovanos fold Julia's new boyfriend into their loving, chaotic household. But then, darkness from William's past surfaces, jeopardizing not only Julia's carefully orchestrated plans for their future, but the sisters' unshakable loyalty to one another. The result is a catastrophic family rift that changes their lives for generations. Will the loyalty that once rooted them be strong enough to draw them back together when it matters most? Oh my gosh, I love this book. <laughs> it's fun to read a synopsis when you've read the entire book. That's a very satisfying experience for mm -hmm. me. This book will easily, Jillian, be a contender for my favorite book of 2023. And I'm excited to be able to talk about it. Jillian, I know you've read this book as well. It has a little something for all readers, in my opinion. A love of family, if you like family-based stories. If you like descriptions of loss and mental health explorations of grief, as well as sort of intergenerational explorations of events that kind of span decades. If you like a book that sort of has like passage markers of where you're at in chronological history, this book will be for you. I was instantly enamored by Julie, Sylvia, Emmeline, and Cecilia. The book takes place in Chicago in the 80s. There are awesome references to very specific areas of the neighborhood of Pilsen, as well as Northwestern University. And I personally, I really have a soft spot for books that take place in cities with really recognizable details. I'm the same. I absolutely love when books talk about the areas of a city or a place that can be real and even be visited, viewed, or even learned about on the internet. I especially love it when a book takes place in an area I've been to or lived in. It allows me to envision what it was like for the characters, even if I wasn't there with them. And I'm a big fan of actually Googling if a real place is referenced. So I did a bit of Googling of Pilsen, as well as there's a local library branch of the Chicago Public Library that features pretty heavily in this book. It's a real place. It's a real library with a real like you can actually like check it out and imagine and get yourself immersed in the story even more. This book did make me cry by the end, and I think I will remember so much of Anne Napolitano's wonderful writing. There's a phrase she used once in the book, which is uh, one of the characters is surrounded by a blizzard of student debt. That is like forever planted in my mind, that like sensation. And the writing is so, so wonderful. It's a beautiful book. I really, I enjoyed it. Jillian, what is your next most recent read? Uh, my next last book is Happy Place by Emily Henry, which I know you also just finished recently. This book is everywhere right now, which makes a lot of sense. It is so good. Plus, it was just released at the end of April of 2023. So, I mean, obviously, it's going to be everywhere. Emily Henry is a pretty big romance writer. Since this book is everywhere, it was easy to come across many, many reviews and thoughts about the book. When I went to read it, I wasn't sure whether I was actually going to like it because I'd seen some people I trust say it wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. But I'm glad I didn't let that deter me because I absolutely loved this book and I devoured it in three days. Here's the setup. Harriet and Wynne have been the perfect couple since they met in college. They go together like salt and pepper, honey and tea, lobster and rolls, except now, for reasons they're still not discussing, they don't. They broke up six months ago and still haven't told their friends which is how they find themselves sharing the largest bedroom in the main cottage that has been their friend's group yearly getaway for the last decade. Their annual respite from the world where for one vibrant blue week they leave behind their daily lives 
have copious amounts of cheese, wine, and seafood, and soak up the salty coastal air with the people who understand them the most. Only this year, Harriet and Wynne are lying through their teeth while they try not to notice how desperately they still want each other. Because the cottage is for sale and this is the last week they'll all have together in this place, they can't stand to break their friends' hearts. And so they'll play their part. Harriet will be the driven, surgical resident who never starts a fight, and Wynne will be the laid-back charmer who never lets the crack show. It's a flawless plan if you look at it from the great distance, and through a pair of sunscreen-smeared sunglasses. After years of being in love, how hard can it be to fake for one week in front of those who you know best? Oh my gosh, Erin, I adored this book. <laughs> it's a good one. It's it's a really good one. I, I think personally, it's I think it's one of her best. I think I agree. It's been a while since I read some of them, but it is definitely my favorite over, I think it was Book Lovers was her last one before this. So it's definitely up there. But my favorite part of it was the coziness vibes that it gives off. I am such a sucker for books that make you feel cozy while you read them. I've never been to Maine, but I know some people who have, and I've read many books where Maine is the main location. And it always comes across as this cozy place to visit. Like you, the weather is really chilly at night and even doesn't get super hot during the day. So you're always wearing your comfy, warm sweatshirts and clothes. How many times can I say cozy in a sentence or in a paragraph before it gets annoying? (laughs) This is a second chance at love, open door romance, and I am here for it. And I hope for some of our listeners, it's here for you too. There is a lack of communication, which does drive me absolutely bananas in romance novels. And and I'll never understand why some people just don't talk things out. But it isn't enough to deter me from the love I feel for this. There is so much else I want to say about it, but I don't want to give anything away because I want everyone to read it for themselves. Erin, what were your thoughts around this book? Yeah, you know, I almost skipped this because I would say Emily Henry is a great author. And her books are really compulsively readable. Like once you pick it up, you're going to start chapter one and gosh be darned if you can put it down. Right. I usually read her books within 24 hours, 48 hours, and I enjoy the ride. I abandon my responsibilities. But sometimes when I step back from an Emily Henry, I go, "Mm, yeah, okay, three and a half stars, you know. But this was like a solid four, four and a half stars for me. I really think that it's some of her best writing. It's very consistent. The two characters are very well fleshed out. And even though there is a communication trope in there, by the end of the book, you'll take a step back and say, I get it. Communication is hard. Communication was hard for these folks. And I do feel like their backstories were more fleshed out than a lot of other Emily Henry characters. I I thought it was great. And I think if anybody's really looking, a solid home run read, not complicated, low stakes, enjoyable romance banter, and and a really good supporting cast. You know, in our last TJ Klune episode, I talked about how much I love a supporting cast. Yes. This is the best supporting cast in an Emily Henry book to date. And it really takes the book over the top. I agree. I'm glad you brought this to the show. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> and maybe it's it, it's just the topic Emily Henry wrote about. But I f- almost feel like this is a case of the more you write, the better you get. Because it feel like, to me at least, that every time she puts out a new book, it gets a little bit better and a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And maybe not everybody would agree with me. I know some people like her very first one, uh, People I Meet on Vacation, I think. That's me. That like that one more than they do book lovers or whatever. But I just mm-hmm. feel like the quality of her writing is getting better. But that's just me. Yeah, I love that too. All right. What is your next book? 
my next book. So the next book I'm bringing to the show is uh, probably going to dovetail off of our conversation of Emily Henry. This is called Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. Wow. This is another five-star read for me. I'm sure that won't always be the case. Like my last reads just happen to have been highly ranked. However, this book was recommended by Katie Cobb from the Currently Reading Podcast. I generally find Katie is a really good fit for me when it comes to reading Sweet Spots. I'm so glad I followed through on that instinct because this has actually become my new favorite romance of all time, which is Unseating, another fantastic contemporary romance, The Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. So here's the premise. Their love was supposed to last forever, but when life delivered blow after devastating blow, Yasmin and Josiah Wade found that love alone couldn't solve or save everything, and it couldn't save their marriage. Yasmin wasn't prepared for how her life fell apart, but she's finally starting to find joy again. She and Josiah have found a new rhythm, co-parenting their two kids and running a thriving business together. Yet, like magnets, they're always drawn back to each other, and now they're beginning to wonder if they're truly ready to let go of everything they once had. Soon, one stolen kiss leads to another, and then more. It's hot, it's illicit, it's all good, until old wounds reopen. Is it too late for them to find forever? Or could they even be better the second time around? This book is so good. It features Black main characters, Black supporting cast, and it was one of those books where I thought, Erin, slow down, just enjoy the book, but I just kept reading faster and faster and faster. I love this. As I said before, it has unseated Seven Days in June as my new favorite romance of all time. From the jump, you care about Yasmin and Josiah. You believe that their past passion for one another will be enough to help them find each other again. If this book didn't have a happily ever after, I definitely would have ranked it lower. (laughs) I was invested. The sex scenes are perfectly steamy to my taste, and I always appreciate a changing point of view in my contemporary romances, which this does have. Some of the chapters are written from Yasmin's point of view, and some chapters are written from Josiah's point of view. And I just think that that brings more contemporary version to heteronormative romance fiction. I also really like that these folks, they know each other. So we don't get a lot of the teasing tropes of most romance novels where people like kind of imagine what their like crush or the person that they're trying to, you know, the enemies to lovers or the, you know, sunshine and storm clouds tropes. This is the first book, but hopefully not the last that I ever read where therapy was portrayed from many dimensions and to many outcomes. It is the most healthy exploration of what therapy can be for people. And I think that is actually what will make it a standout forever on my top list. Three characters in the book engage in therapy with three different therapists and for three different reasons. And I think Kennedy Ryan has used this as a subtle background of a family that has had very relatable challenges, very relatable past traumas. I will say the book contains a content warning for infant loss and stillbirth. That's not a spoiler. That's part of the book. And I do think that you actually really should check in with yourself um, because it plays heavily in the plot line of the book. It is a beautiful part of the story but it really also makes the book a lot more dimensional than just contemporary romance fiction. Could I have raved more about that book? No, but I feel like it's probably (laughs) deserved. I have not read this one, but it is on the top of my TBR, so I need to grab it soon. I will love to know what you think. I will share that. Okay, Jillian, time for your last, last book you read. All right. My final book that I read is The Half Moon by Mary Beth Keene. Keene is also the author of Ask Again, Yes, which I also really enjoyed. The Half Moon has some iffy reviews similar to things that I heard with Emily Henry. People were feeling like it wasn't so great. My mom even read it and was only giving it like a three-star review, which I usually trust her reviews. But 
I really liked it. I think I have to admit liking family dramas is a big part of why I read them. I end up really enjoying them and sometimes more so than a lot of other people. Here's the premise. Malcolm Gebhard, handsome and gregarious, longtime bartender at the Half Moon, has always dreamed of owning a bar. When his boss finally retires, Malcolm stretches to buy the place. He sees unquantifiable magic and potential in the Half Moon and hopes to transform it into a bigger success but struggles to stay afloat. His smart and confident wife, Jess, has devoted herself to her law career. After years of trying for a baby, she is facing the idea that motherhood may not be in the cards for her. Like Malcolm, she feels her youth beginning to slip away and wonders how to reshape her future. Award-winning author Mary Beth Keene's new novel takes place over the course of one week when Malcolm learns shocking news about Jess, a patron of the bar goes missing, and a blizzard hits the town of Gillum, trapping everyone in place. With a deft eye and generous spirit, Keene explores the disappointments and unexpected consolations of midlife, the many forms forgiveness can take, the complicated intimacy of small town living, and what it means to be a family. Reading that back, one thing I'll say is that it sounds like there is so much going on in there, like tons of different things in tons of different directions. And there are, but somehow Mary Beth Keene keeps it all together and it actually flows really well. The more I think about it and the story, there is more that happens than that description even uncovers. Somehow it all flows together and it's a really, really enjoyable book. There is a lot of heartache and there are some trigger warnings for miscarriages and stillbirth, plus some other ones as well. But so be sure to do your due diligence before you dive in. Have you read this one? I haven't read this one and I actually have not read any Mary Beth Keene. Ask Again Yes and The Half Moon are two titles that I wasn't familiar with. They were not sort of like popping up in my book consciousness. So I will have to check her out as an author and uh, do a little check-in. I might actually, I'll always love to do a backlist when I discover an author that I've never read before. So I might go and try to find Ask Again Yes and load it on my Kobo for that cottage reading. I hope you like it. It's pretty good. It's they're not happy books, mm. but they're also not sad books. They're not like make you cry books. They're emotionally heavy sometimes. So just keep that in mind when when you read them, like make sure you have the space to take on an emotionally heavy book, I guess I should say. Now you slipped something in there, which was your mom. Oh my gosh. Is a heavy reader too. And you trust her like reviews and references. Yes. I didn't know this. Yeah, my sisters, my two sisters, my mom and I have a chat where we talk about, you know, all sorts of family things, but we trade book ideas too. Like every time we finish a book, we post it in there saying, you know, whether it was good, whether we recommend it, you know, the basis of the book. And yeah, I absolutely trust my mom's review of books. She is a big historical fiction person, but um, most of the ones that she recommends are really good. And I was just surprised that she gave this a three. I think I made it. I think I, mine was a four when I, I reviewed it. it might even have been 4.5. But Goodreads doesn't let you do half point reviews. Oh my gosh, maybe in the future we'll have your mom on the show. <laughs> she, I wonder if it would be interesting. I know she did listen to the very first episode. Um, and it was very cool because she was like talking about what I was talking about on the episode, how I mentioned about Nancy Drew and everything. And yeah, she, she would probably be up for that. And she's listening now. She'll have to um, be careful or some of the stuff we talk about will end up on the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. I would never do that. All right, Erin, right, what's your last book for this show? Okay, so my last book is Venco by Sherry Dimeline. Sherry is well known to many readers, I think, for her masterful young adult fiction, The Marrow Thieves. 
which is a stirring and poetic book about Indigenous youth and their struggle for survival in a dystopian near future. But this book, Venco, is really enjoyable departure from that kind of writing and really shows the way that Sherry Dimaline is a really dynamic and experienced author. This book is very different from The Marrow Thieves, but it is also very good. Here's the premise. Lucky St. James is a Métis millennial living with her cantankerous but loving grandmother Stella. She's barely holding on when she discovers she will be evicted from their tiny Toronto apartment. Then, one night, something strange and irresistible calls out to Lucky. Burrowing through a wall, she finds a silver spoon etched with a crooked-nosed witch and the word Salem humming with otherworldly energy. Lucky is familiar with the magic of her indigenous ancestors, but she has no idea that the spoon links her to Venco's network of witches through North America. Generations of witches have been waiting for centuries for the seven spoons to come together, igniting a new era and restoring women to their rightful power. To find the last spoon, Lucky and Stella embark on a rollicking and dangerous road trip to the darkly magical city of New Orleans, where the final showdown will determine whether Venko will usher in a new beginning or remain underground forever. Honestly, I really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed the pace and the structure of it. It felt like it flew by. There was an immediate attachment to Lucky as the protagonist, and I love that all of the characters in this book are women except the villain. I thought there was enough creative plot devices to hold this book together, even though I wasn't truly certain of what was going to happen at the end, which I also enjoyed. There are some important points of the book where there's very little explained, and you kind of just have to go along for the ride. I did feel that I wanted some more of the actual coven itself. The Venko is sort of a front for this coven activity, but I think actually this book is supposed to be the first in a series, so we'll see if more of that world building kind of happens in some of the books to follow. There are definitely points in this book when the point of view shifts abruptly, which was kind of jarring at times. The book is written in the third person, which doesn't really seem to have a narrator, which I think it might have benefited from. Sherry Dimaline has really broken out of what initially made her famous, and I'm glad for it because this book was really entertaining overall, really fun to read. I love the character of Stella as the sassy elder. That's one of my favorite, you know, writing tropes. I love an 80-year-old person just kind of along for the adventure, throwing out barbs and insults. And I enjoyed the way of stringing together different ways of knowing based on the land where you live. So they mentioned that Lucky is Métis, Indigenous, based in Toronto, and there's other women of different backgrounds and local cultures and practices that come to light in the story. If you like witches, you'll probably like this book. Jillian, have you read Venko? I haven't. I've never even heard of this author. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So if you're like Jillian and you haven't read Sherry Dimaline, dive into Venko. But if you have read Sherry Dimaline, you probably read The Marrow Thieves, which is an award-winning young adult fiction novel. And it's it's beautiful. And it's especially poetic. It's, it's a stunning, stunning book. Venko is not that. Venko is not a stunning book. But it is a very good book. And it's very different. So I think you just kind of have to mitigate your expectations. and You have to be open to the fact that as an author, Sherry Dimaline can, she can do more than one thing. This is kind of like an adventure thriller novel. And... And The Marrow Thieves is just like The Giver or Number the Stars. Or oh my like, God, The Giver is my favorite middle um, grade book. It's almost like Anne Frank. Like it's it's a really beautiful, beautiful book. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. So they, they serve different purposes, but they're by the same author. Okay. I'm going to have to definitely look it up, request it too, because I've never heard of her and it's I do love books about witches. So I'll probably like this book as, as my friend Aaron told me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Erin, it's time for hot takes and our current thoughts on some book culture topics. A hot take is an opinion usually formed off the cuff and with very little research, sometimes provocative. Today's topic for our hot take is audiobooks. Is this considered still reading? Erin, give me your hot take. Yes, of course an audiobook is still reading. Yes. It's 2023. I think Jillian and I are going to have the same opinion of this. I have read more audiobooks year over year over year as I slowly squelch the ableist voice in my head that says audiobooks are cheating and audiobooks aren't really reading. And if we think about that for people who have low vision or aren't sighted, for whom accessibility and attention span are an issue, then we exclude the beauty of reading to a whole population of people. And reading should be accessible to everybody. And audiobooks are a way to do that. And there is no cheating when it comes to reading. No, I absolutely second everything that you said. I think audiobooks are a fantastic way to take in books that maybe you would have no interest in actually sitting down and reading. Um, some of the time, like I really love memoirs, but I don't make myself enough time to pick up a phys physical memoir unless it's like really good. And I find myself choosing those a lot of the times for my audiobooks. They're reading. They're absolutely reading. I could take the book and read it, but I'm listening to somebody else read it to me, which when we're babies or, or toddlers or children, what do the teachers say to the kids? They always say, read to your children because that's how they learn language and that's how they learn words. So if it's reading for the most part of the most developmentally needed needy areas, it would make the same sense that it would be reading for an adult, in my opinion. So true. It's so true. I'm still like really surprised that this debate kind of exists out there, but maybe there are some listeners out there who say, this is why I think audiobooks are not the same as reading. Um, and I have actually like had to suppress this point of view. My son, William, has read the entire Harry Potter series probably three times over by audiobook. For a long time, I said, but stop the audiobook. Stop. Stop that. Stop doing that. Read the real thing. Read the real thing. And I've stopped doing that because who am I to yuck his yum and say how he has to consume yeah. any kind of storytelling? So I think we're going to see this opinion like fade away slowly more and more. I hope so. I really do. My um, friend Jen Robbins, um, I believe that you follow her on Instagram too. She uh, posted a TikTok actually, and it was the exact like uh, premise of it. But basically, basically it was her talking about how she had recently read you know, three books and how she said she read them via audiobook. And there were so many people in the comments, apparently telling her that that doesn't count as reading. That's not really reading. And so she came to Instagram and she was like, you know, venting about it and talking about it, but it's just, it doesn't make sense to me why anybody would say that isn't reading. It's a book is a book is a book. Like no matter how you ingest it, it's a book. I also think if we think about audiobooks, they make for a really dynamic part of like the publishing industry. So mm -hmm. think of all of the audiobook producers, editors, the voiceover actors who get work based on this medium. You know, certainly like it has to exist. It has to be out there. It's not an adaptation. It's not like watching the movie version of the book. Some audiobooks probably would take me longer to consume than reading the book would. That's not going to be true for everybody, but... It's just such a lovely way to like enjoy something. And I love audiobooks for lots of different types, but sometimes for a reread, an audiobook is so wonderful. So our last episode was on TJ Klune. 
and to get kind of brushed up before the episode, I listened to Under the Whispering Door by audiobook because I'd read it on print. And what a dynamic experience. Some of the dialogue hit me in a different way than it did when I was reading. It also allowed me to slow down or speed up parts where I potentially remembered or wanted to revisit a particular scene. I have to give a shout out to the audiobook reader of these books. His name is Kurt Groves. He is like a five out of five narrator. So like the book is five out of five for me, five stars, but the narration is also five stars. And it's true that sometimes the narration of an audiobook can make or break your experience. There's some people you're going to hear their voice, just like podcasts, you're going to hear their voice, and you're gonna be like, I don't think I can do this voice. And that's true for audiobooks. But honestly, if you get a really good book and a really good audiobook narrator, you're in for a total treat. I agree. And what you were saying about the conversations and, and what people were saying when you were listening to Under the Whispering Door, I just started listening to the audio this morning and it was the same thing. The whole scene where they're in the church mm. and the dynamic, be what's discussed between May and Wallace is just, I grabbed more of it than I did the first time around. And it, the whole um, feeling of the beginning of the book was different for me listening to the audio version of it versus reading it. So audiobooks are books. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> End of hot take. <laughs> awesome. All right, we're going to wrap up today's episode with the holds list. Jillian and I are very passionate about the library. I'm sure that has become pretty clear over these last three episodes because we are both avid users. We both have very active holds lists, and we feel like that's something we don't hear a lot on book podcasts or book talk or Instagram. So we feel it's something new that we can offer the bookish community by sharing what is on our holds list. So Jillian, I will ask you what's on your holds list. Well, I have nine books on my holds list, but none are currently waiting for me. Sad face. I don't need any new books for sure. I have so many waiting for me, um, about seven or eight, but I always love going and picking up new books. It's very exciting. Uh, right now I'm anxiously awaiting Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. Mm. I adored the love hypothesis, so I can only imagine that Love Theoretically is going to be as wonderful. At least I hope so. Let's keep our fingers crossed that that comes up soon. Erin, what are you waiting for from the library? Well, today I'm going to share my digital holds list, which is slightly different than my physical holds list. And sometimes I duplicate. I try to put something on hold digitally through the Libby app, or I put it on hold at the library. I might do that with two books. But right now I have Ready to Borrow is an audiobook. It's called One Italian Summer. It's by Rebecca Searle. And this book Funnily enough, on Friday, I was preparing for that trip to the cabin, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. I'm trying to stock up on good reads, haha, pun intended, <laughs> on some good books to read while at the cottage. And this book was recommended both by the lazy genius Kendra Adachi, who recently had a book called 21 Books for Your Summer or something, and uh, the e-newsletter from Ann Bogle, who is the podcast host of What Should I Read Next? And the, the chief chief reader at uh, Modern <laughs> Mrs. Darcy, which is a very popular reading blog. So both of those sources cited this book and they cited the audiobook because it is read by Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. So that, thankfully... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's just come up in my audiobook. And like we said, narrators can sometimes make or break. And I've heard Lauren Graham's narration of this book is pretty good. The next I have on hold is a book called The Awakened Family by Shafali Sabari. She's a psychologist. She's very much about boundaries and empowerment. This is a parenting book. It's a pretty famous parenting book called The Awakened Family. 
And that's on audio. I still have quite a ways before that will become available. Uh, that's saying five weeks. And then I have three more books that are all like at the seven to 10 week mark. So I'm probably going to have to do a bit of digging through the backlist, Jillian, to make sure that I get a little bit more on my digital e-reader on my Kobo before we head away to the cottage, because that one book is not going to cut it. That's always fun, though, when you can get into your back reads without the pressure of the most current reads waiting for you. I have a bunch, like four or five of them that are back reads that I just keep putting off and putting off because I have so many current reads that are waiting for me. All right, Jillian, that wraps up episode three of Medium Lady Reads. Medium Lady Reads is a spinoff of the Medium Lady Talks podcast and Instagram community. You can find me, Erin, on Instagram at medium.lady. You can find Jillian at Jillian Finding Happy for more of our current reads and other shenanigans. If you like this episode, please share it with another bookish friend or post on Instagram and be sure to tag us. We would be tickled pink to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Erin. And I'm your other host, Jillian. Until next time, we hope that your holds arrive quickly. And your next book finds you right when you need it most. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.